Hello, my friends, and welcome to the DDP for the 23rd day of December. I am Paul White. I want to take you on a little journey today in Genesis 17, and this really is a perfect setup to lead us into some teachings from the New Testament, because just as Paul is our great commentator on the Abrahamic covenant from Galatians, he's also our great commentator on the difference between an old covenant and a new covenant in the book of Galatians, as well as our great commentator on physical circumcision versus spiritual circumcision. So Paul's full of allegory and he's full of comparison. We'll get into that after the Christmas holiday. Today we want to deal with the name change of Sarah. That's that's in this 17th chapter of Genesis, which is really where circumcision enters the, the scene uh, as, a, as a subjective end of the covenant. Then we'll take a couple days off, talk about Christmas, and then jump into the Galatians narrative. Um, let me say this in regards to circumcision. I didn't get this in the to the podcast yesterday. Circumcision is another example of a sacrament or a rite from the Old Testament that precedes the law, but then does not go through the law into the new covenant. And and I bring that up because that's one of the great arguments that people use regarding the tithe. People that think the tithe is a financial requirement for the blessings of God. Like if you don't tithe, God is likely to curse you financially. If you don't tithe, and by tithe, that can mean anything from 10%. And this was the arguments I used to get into. 10% of your gross, or is it 10% of your net? (laughs) 10% of what's left after your bills, or 10% before? There was all those arguments. And so people would defend it as a requirement for financial blessing. Um, They would never point out, they would never acknowledge why unbelievers could be financially blessed that never tithed. They didn't take that into account at all. And they would never acknowledge that not everything that precedes the law makes it through the law. Circumcision's one of them. So, because the argument would be, well, Abraham tithed, therefore, because the tithe predates the law, it postdates the law. So, Abraham tithed, then the law codified the tithe just because the law is fulfilled. We don't get out of the tithe, we're still in it because Abraham was in it pre law. If that's the case, then we're also physically circumcising because that predates the law. And we ought to be offering animal sacrifices because that predates the law. So if everything that gets picked up in the law applies if it existed before the law, then we should put as much force into the preaching of physical circumcision, animal sacrifice... And leveret marriage, which is where if a man dies without having had an heir, then his brother marries his widow and has an heir in his name. We ought to pick that up because that preceded the law, got picked up in the law, and then post-law we ought to be doing that. So I, I didn't mean to stay on that very long, but this was a perfect opportunity to drop that in. My point is... These become allegories of other things, and they get fulfilled in other things. Circumcision gets fulfilled in Christ. That'll be Paul's great argument. 
The tithe gets fulfilled in Christ. Animal sacrifice gets fulfilled in Christ. Leveret marriage gets fulfilled in Christ. The church gets to pick these things up, but they don't pick them up in the same manner they look in an Old Testament world. Like we take care of the widow. That's, that's what James called pure religion. But we don't do it through a leveret marriage. We give, but we're not locked into a forcible 10% or only 10%. And we're not just locked into giving money or locked into giving goods. The new covenant has expanded the boundaries on all of those things. Now, what I really meant to cover today is verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you should, it's technically as for Sarai, Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I'll bless her. I'll give her a son by her. I'll bless her. She'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. This is an interesting moment in, in biblical studies in that we aren't really quite positive what the difference is in Sarai and Sarah. Um, we are positive what the difference is in Abram and Abraham because one is a root word and then a compound word. So you put Abram, who is exalted father with Abraham, and that father becomes father of multitudes. It almost takes a plural sense. Sarai to Sarah is almost literally just a spelling or a pronunciation change. And so what biblical scholars have assumed are a couple of things is that since Abram's name was changed, so should Sarai's or Sarah, or that we're dealing with a more Arabic pronunciation of her name in Sarai and then God wants to give a unique pronunciation what will become a Hebrew pronunciation to her name in Sarah but Sarah in Hebrew means princess so she takes on a title of nobility at her name change from this obscure pronunciation through the tongues of the world into this unique pronunciation in the tongue of God's people. And so she goes from, and and there's also a a little geography in this because it's believed that Sarai, Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, is how you'll see her name pronounced, pre-Sarah, Sarai was, according to the Arabs, an infertile mountain, a, a place in which things didn't grow. And since to this point Sarai has not had children, to change her name from Sarai to Sarah, the infertile place to a princess, then we are putting her into the prophetic scope so that she knows she's not going to be infertile anymore. So the name change for her becomes the identity of someone who's going to bear children. In fact, God tells Abram, she's going to have, you're going to have a son by her. She's going to be the mother of nations and kings are going to come out of her. So this is a a great promise. Abraham will then say, "Why, why can't the promise just be Ishmael? It shows you he very much loves his 13 year old son, Ishmael, who by the way, will be the first person he circumcises under the new circumcision code. And God says, well, Ishmael is going to be great, but he's not going to be the one. This leads us to the Apostle Paul reading this chapter and coming to a conclusion. 
that the reason why God wants Isaac instead of Ishmael is because Ishmael was the product of Abraham's scheming and God wants to give a covenant that you didn't scheme your way into. And thus Isaac becomes the recipient. Paul will work on that. We'll do it with him in the book of Galatians. We'll do that uh, on Sunday's podcast. Tomorrow and Saturday, we're going to talk Christmas. And we'll talk about the birth of our Lord Jesus and what that means for us. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.